We have another Earth person that wants to see you. everyone and welcome to Cinemantics, the podcast about movies good and bad, mostly bad. I'm your host Nick Melton and my co-host Jeff Heatherly. I had something funny for this, but I forgot it. Yay! Damn, I, I had something for this. Um, <laughs> tonight is our second Christmas episode on this show. Wow, it's already been like a year since I started right. this thing. Wow. Last year we did the incomparable Santa oh, sleigh. This year we bring another Santa-themed movie to the table, <laughs> and uh, sadly I already have next year's Santa-themed movie already what? picked out, so we're good to go there. But um, yeah, this movie is generally regarded as one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, it's on the IMDb bottom 100, is if I'm not really? mistaken, and was also the episode of a uh, was also the focus of a classic Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode. This is. From 19-something? 64. And directed by someone? Um, I can't see it because I got you on Spaces right now. I'll, I'll look for you. All right. This is awkward. Uh, directed by Nicholas Webster. <laughs> this is Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. But does he? No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Uh, he, he gets angry with no three of them. And, yeah. Uh, he doesn't do any conquering. At all. But, like, the title of this movie makes you think that it's Santa, like, in a war sleigh, like, going through space and, like, oh, conquering <laughs> conquering the Martian menace, which would probably but have it, been a more entertaining movie. I I have to tell you, I I love the pants off this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you might. Uh, we're actually recording this episode long distance, the second episode on this podcast that we're recording this way. And as I was watching the movie, I was like, you know, I'll bet Jeff is loving this. Because even though it's generally regarded as terrible, it's so kitschy. And it's got, like, a a very distinct, like, early 60s charm to it. That makes it a yes. hell of a lot better than and more fun to watch than a lot of the crap that comes out these days. Christmas and with in the a weird Cranks way, like, What? It, it's, it's, in a weird way, like, it's 60s-ness. Um, leads to some very like postmodern humor. <laughs> In a, I mean, I'm sure that wasn't their intention, well, but like it, it comes off as because you can't as be postmodern until humor. it's like 40 years later. I know, but they they were ahead of the curve, and they made me laugh heartily on a number of occasions. <laughs> uh, Santa Claus conquers the Martians. Well, I should probably explain what this movie is about. Yes, Santa's in it, obviously, because it's a Christmas movie. But yes, there are Martians in it, also, somehow. On Mars, there is no Christmas. 
So the kids on Mars are really sad. And all the adults are like, well, why are the kids so sad? And they're like, well, they're watching all those Earth programs about Christmas and Santa. So we should get Santa to make them happy. So they go to Earth to try and kidnap Santa and shenanigans ensue. Basically. Shenanigans indeed. Yeah. Um, (laughs) God, this movie. (laughs) This movie was clearly shot with a budget of about $20. And, uh... I would would say more. I'm I'm more willing to forget this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, they they clearly spent all their money on sets. And uh, the sets are actually not terrible for a low-budget movie. But then you've got bits like the polar bear. Oh, God, the polar bear. <laughs> which is in- way more creepy than it has any right to be, considering that it's so obviously just a guy in a suit. That was such an amazing moment when I was watching it, because I had, like, turned my head away from the screen for just a second. Like, I don't know why my brain started thinking about something else. I, w- I started to think about uh, my terrible, unwatchable uh, dollar store DVD version of this uh, that doesn't even have the whole movie on it. And then I started thinking, what other dollar DVDs have I owned? And as soon as my head snaps out of that, I turn away, I turn back to the screen, the fakest fucking polar bear you've ever seen in your life. And it was amazing, and I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't make that sound, but I wish I had. Yeah. Well, you made it on air, and that's the important thing. I I did. Um, oh, God. Do you want to talk about cast? Because, I mean, all of these people are unknowns, save for one. But I feel like there are a couple people who deserve at least mention for being the most memorable characters in the movie. I suppose we could do that. Um, I will uh, I'll go through the list as they have it here on IMDb. Uh, we have, as the man himself, Santa Claus, we have John Call. Uh, He's the only guy whose name I know. Like, the only adult actor whose name I know. Right. And, uh... He is the creepiest Santa you've ever seen. I disagree. <laughs> no, he kind of is. Because, I've I mean, seen creepier. Everything he says and does, he follows up with this really creepy chuckle. Like, he doesn't do anything that's that menacing. It's just that he finds everything a little bit too funny. And like, I love how he's rocking, like, the Howard Dean sleeves. <laughs> the short <laughs> sleeves up in, up in the North Pole while he's doing the work. And he has this weird, he has a weird kind of southern accent to him on occasion. You know, because Santa comes from Georgia. Uh, I would, uh, I would agree. There's that really great opening where the news reporter is like standing out in front, and he's like, "The news reporter." The news re- it makes no sense. The news reporter is like, Brr, "It's freezing here. We had food, but it was frozen food because it couldn't stay warm for long." Pause for the non-existent laugh track. Uh, let's go inside and meet Santa's workshop. Blah blah blah. Like, uh. And then he goes in and meets Santa, and the very first thing Santa does is just, like, look at him and go, <laughs> you know, like, just like like he does for the rest of the movie. Maybe Santa enjoys the gonge? <laughs> in this movie, I wouldn't doubt it. I think he's probably out of his gonge. mind the entire movie. Well, I mean, he's ha- his relationship with his wife in this movie is... <laughs> it is such a bitter <laughs> old a relationship. Troubling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that scene where uh, <laughs> it's just after the Martians have arrived at the workshop and they've used their, like, you know, freeze ray, but which I, mean, I don't mean, like, they're freezing people, like, into ice, but, like, they're, you know, pausing them, you know. 
and they fire so one. Them, and then when the camera looks at them, you can see them moving. Yeah, I can't hold perfectly still. Yeah. I love the guy pointing, but I love when they sh- when they when they hit uh, Mrs. Claus with it, and Santa walks up and looks her over, and he's like, "That's the quietest she's been in years," and he's almost pleased with it. And it's like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you two and your marriage, you old people." <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, she's crazy, too, because, like, at that aforementioned scene with the news reporter, uh, she comes up and she's like, oh, we're on television? As if, like, she didn't see the television crew in her house. She practically like, orgasms. <laughs> and then, like, runs off screen. Oh, yeah, she, like, flips just, up her skirt. very frightened, yeah. yeah. <laughs> frightening. Santa uh, and his wife are frightening in this movie. They're not frightening, they're just really eccentric. <laughs> Uh, Uh, how's your how's your recording going Melton oh it's going fine okay good um because I'm loving where we're going with this I gotta tell you um but uh (laughs) you know what I want to talk about we talked about the polar bear but we gotta talk about one other thing that happened immediately after the polar bear can we talk about Torg oh my god Torg. Torg I am Torgo. I take care of the place while the master is away. I kept uh, thinking about that every time they would say Torg. Like, Behold, Torg! <laughs> and, and it's like the fakest looking robot you've ever seen, like with cardboard armor and... It's the classic robot with the, with the rectangular abdomen and like the, the, the tin can head and like the, 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 the dryer pipe arms and like, oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> I wonder if this is where that stereotype originated for, like, cheap robot. I wonder. I hope so. I, I truly do. I hope someone's written a book about this movie, because I would read it. An in-depth, you know, study. Uh, of Santa Claus. Along the lines of, you know, the annotated Godfather. You know? <laughs> I haven't seen The Godfather in years and years and years, but clearly it didn't make that much of an impression on me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't. It, it was okay. That was that was all I got out of it. You know, I, 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 the money I pit. Know. That's my answer to that statement. <laughs> Damn it, you beat me to it. Oh uh, yeah. So, is there any uh, direction you want to go specifically with this? Anything that caught your fancy? A lot of things caught my fancy. Um, <laughs> well, actually, I, we didn't finish talking about Torg. Oh God, Torg. <laughs> because there's a, there's an interesting. Um, thing that happens in the movie that I'm surprised they didn't bring back later, because they send Torg into Santa's workshop to kidnap Santa, and he somehow becomes a toy. He's just overcome with the... And I'm surprised they didn't the... do that at the end of the movie. He's just like, overcome with the Christmas spirit. Yeah, but like he could have turned all of the evil Martian's weapons into toys at the end. It's true. But then we wouldn't have gotten that incredibly weird scene where the kids like overcome the villain at the end. God, that scene sits there and laughs. That scene is an acid trip. Like that scene, it really is. You need to be playing, you know, Inagata Devita over that because it's just these kids. No, I think the music that's playing in it is entirely appropriate. It is. It is pretty suitably insane. Um, (laughs) All the music in this movie—it's like the epitome of kitsch, like the soundtrack. Because like, there's this music that I particularly noticed when it when Santa is set up in his workshop on Mars. There's this really bouncy, like, do 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 music, and it switches off whenever With he the turns machine. off the machine. Yes. So it's like that crazy music actually <laughs> inhabits the world of the characters. And, yes! And I, it, the first time it happened, I was, like, kind of shocked by it, but then I'm like, oh, God, this movie. 
If you want to talk about great music, though, we've got to talk about the Star Trek meets Batman with with Adam West fight scene music. Oh my god, yes. I was thinking about sticking that music at the beginning of the episode as an opening stinger, even though there's no dialogue, just oh, so that people can hear the music. You totally should. It's so. It's just so Or I'll fantastic. stick it in right here. Who's in the airlock? No one. Now. What's going on, Bulldog? Chief, Stan and the children are missing. Where are they? Drifting around in space. Along with the rest of the space junk. Before I'm through with you, Bulldog, you wish you were floating around out there in space. With my finger. What? Uh, <laughs> it's not summer. <laughs> oh, God. But that music is so yeah, great. Like, there's like some serious Neil Hefty going on there. Like Batman theme. Oh, yeah. And, and the, the, the fights themselves are amazing. Just like these really stiff, <laughs> straight arm punches. I mean, straight out of Batman. And, you know, like people not even hitting each other. Just a lot of grappling. And, you know bending over machines and, like, angry faces and, and the villain who looks like Martian Elliot Gould is, like, you know, about ready to punch somebody. <laughs> I love it how the how the good Martian has, like, has him by the neck and he's banging his head on the con- on the console, but it's not violent at all. He's just, like, tapping his head on the console and he's like, I will defeat you, brr. And yeah, the music yeah. is playing in the background. Like, that's the weakest fight scene I've ever seen. Their dialogue in those fight scenes is amazing. Uh, it's just, it's you know, the thing that actually, apart from the terrible dialogue, though, the thing that struck me in watching this movie is that most of the acting in this movie isn't terrible. No, it's not. <laughs> like, it's really you've got not. a couple of weird, like, the guy who plays Santa's is high, but that's really all you can say about him. The only bad actor, apart from the kids, and I mean, you expect kids to be bad actors, is the villain. Yeah. Vardoz, or whatever his name is. Uh, do you remember his name? I, I kept wanting to call him Cho Chang, but I think that was the weird wizard guy. Um... <laughs> Uh, what is his name? Isn't Cho Chang, Harry Potter's love interest. You're damn right. Uh, actually, interesting coincidence, his name is Voldar. Voldar, yeah, because I kept thinking you sound like Power Rangers. Only he who must not be named Voldar. Voldar uh, oh, Mort. Oh, Harold King Voldar, ruler of the universe. Played by Rip Torn. That was where my Rip Torn impression was born. Were you aware of that? I actually wasn't. This was a couple uh, years ago. But now I am. Uh, when I was living with uh, three other fellas, and uh, we were having a chat one day, we were talking about the first Power Rangers movie, and uh, and we were talking about that ending, that post-credit scene where where Goldar and uh, the weird random pig guy Mordant are standing there <laughs> after Rita and Zed are still in the snow globe, and he comes, then the chair turns around. I am King Goldar, ruler of the universe, and like one of the guys I was living with was like, "Oh my god, that sounded like Rip Torn," and then I was like. A movie version of the Jefferson's Tracy. I love it. And that's how it was born. It's a beautiful moment. <laughs> uh, if Rip Torn had been in this movie, it would have been a bit too awesome. It's true. It's true. But we did have um, guy who looks like Elliot Gould. Like I said, I was so taken by that. I was like, Elliot Gould? Uh, but, I wa- but, you know, we, we <laughs> no. were talking about the... A worse uh, actor than Elliot Gould. We were talking about the cast for a minute, and there are... 
we should mention the two people that are known. Um, there are two, actually. Um, there's, of course, the, the, who play, the, the, uh, the lady, as it were, who plays the, uh, the young Martian girl, Germar. Uh, Pia Zadora, a name that a lot of people have mentioned. Um, I don't know what she's famous for other than this. I don't know why we're supposed to know her name. Um, and frankly, I'm afraid. Yeah, to... when, I, when I looked her up, I didn't see anything that I recognized. So, uh, she was in Hairspray, the original. As the John a Waters movie. Yes, as a beatnik chick. Very nice. But, and well, she was an ep- in an episode of Frasier as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, the Good other for person, you, Zadora. The other person of note is an actor by the name of Bill McCutcheon, who plays the uh, the comic relief of this picture, basically Droppo. A character that might as well be played by Don Knotts. I was just about to mention him because I can't believe we'd gone 16 minutes without talking about him. He's um, like I said, he's he might as well have been played by Don Knotts. Um, uh, but he, yeah, uh, seriously. I mean, like, I feel like the reason he was in that movie was so that like the kids would have something to laugh at while all the adults were like, well, I don't know what adults would have been doing while they were watching this movie. Uh, drinking. It was clear that Droppo was a character not written for adults in any way. I don't. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's so oafish. <laughs> he is, and he's. You know, he, his attitude is very like you know. I don't remember what podcast I was listening to the other day where they were discussing the old uh, Frosty the Snowman animated special, and they noted, and it's very true that Frosty the Snowman is kind of retarded, um, but in a very <laughs> he's, he's sweetly retarded, really, and. Um, <laughs> And he's and it's very similar. Like you might as you all kind of expect Drop at any point to just go, Happy birthday You know, like <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. Uh, Happy birthday This movie is so amazing. Um and then you say, Is it? Um <laughs> Well actually no, because I was watching it and I came I mean I, I was very vocal while I was watching the movie, even though there was no one in the house. Oh, me too. Because like parts of it. Especially at the beginning, when it was just mind-numbingly terrible, I was just like, "Ah, sir, I loved every." I loved every. Then once I got into it, and I got, and then once once I got into it, and I got a kind of got drawn into the delightful kitschiness of it. Those sort of became like, "Look at the weird shit they're doing here." This fucking robot. This weird Three Stooges slapstick that has nothing like. Remember that part at the end where the where all of a sudden there are three villains and they come in and it becomes like a Three Stooges movie for forty five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where did that come from? There was no slapstick before. Now it's a slapstick comedy. Yeah. Uh. I love. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Torg. Oh. Torg. <laughs> I apologize to the listeners. We're kind of just going all over the place with this, but this movie is so weird that, like, I don't feel it's it's a betrayal of the movie. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about, though, did you get as tired as I did of all that stock footage? What stock footage? Of of the planes flying? Oh, I didn't didn't mind. Actually, you know what blew me away, though, is uh, that, that there was one, and it was so great... You know, we should mention we watched this on YouTube because we don't have like it's on DVD. Watch the because YouTube has the full full movie. You folks can watch it when we're done here. Um, but uh, it of course has a few commercial interruptions, and one of them was preceded by one of those stock footage scenes of the jets 
where they were refueling the jet with another jet, and I swear that was taken from another movie that was covered on MST3K because I there's a um, there are like five episodes of MST3K uh, available on Hulu. One of them is this movie about like Air Force fighter jet fighter guys, and <laughs> and one of the scenes is this incredibly long drawn out scene where they're refueling the jets and it's all very phallic and sexual. And I swear that was just a little piece of that same film that they put into this movie, and I laughed my ass off. So no, I didn't mind the stock footage a damn bit. <laughs> I didn't mind that it was stock footage. I feel like any movie that incorporates stock footage so obviously is a movie to love, but they did it so much. Like, how are we going to pad out the runtime of this movie? Oh, let's show the frickin' jets refueling in midair for six minutes, you know. And it every time it's that the long. same music in the background, too. Um, but it's, it's just the little things like that that make this movie so weird. Like, when I can buy a really weird overarching concept, like Santa's kidnapped by Martians. Okay, that has some potential. But when Santa, who makes his toys by hand, all of a sudden has enough knowledge of circuitry to fix the broken toy machine, that I think that is was what more mar- I take issue at. I think that was the Martians. I think the Martians built the machine. Like he was, he he, you know, came down. He had a few tokes off of his, off of his dube, and he was like, you know, <laughs> here's here's what I do back on Earth. Uh, <coughs> uh, I take a wooden hammer and bang it arbitrarily against another piece of wood. Eventually, a birdhouse is formed, and I think he did that whole bit. And <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess like they were like, oh, okay, well, we had that kind of technology in technology. And so they, they, they built this machine. And I love this machine, by the way, because if you notice, like, his switchboard has, like, 64 <laughs> switches. And yet there are only eight shoots on the, on the conveyor belt. You know, baseball bat. Yeah, and he only uses, like, the same two of those 64 knobs, even though he's got, like, eight toys. It's true. And I love how everything I feel in like that the world... malfunctioning toys that come out of there, like towards the end of the movie, are more interesting than the toys that came out before. Yeah, the villain like baseball, bounce, like... tennis rackets, <laughs> dolls with teddy bear heads. The villain, you know, fucks oh, with the circuitry the and yeah, and and the machine goes awry, and crazy Tim Burton esque wackiness happens. Um, <laughs> Tim Burton would totally be on board with baseball just a little bit more because like. That ending is so bizarre. The, the so kids bizarre. just throwing shit at Elliot Gould. Yeah, like <laughs> it's like he comes in and he's gonna get Santa, and then there's this great dialogue that makes no sense because like Santa like enunciates some words that you think are supposed to have meaning, but they didn't establish that meaning earlier in the movie. He's like, Voldar, you need to relax like he says it like that as if relax was a joke from earlier in the movie but it isn't and so that can just be described as bad acting and then the other dude's like you're going to relax permanently and then all of a sudden this wacky music starts playing and the kids like overwhelm him with like bubble guns and like weird toy shit 
And any adult in real life would not be as thrown by this as Voldar is in the movie. Well, he's a Martian. The whole point of this movie is that, like, toys are not a thing on Mars. And I guess they were just such a foreign concept that even just wooden drummer boys coming at him slowly was enough to scare the shit out of him. Although, I gotta say, like, if you want to talk about the insanity of that scene and all these miniature things just coming at his feet, have you ever seen that horrible horrible Barry Levinson movie Toys with Robin Williams? No. It is fucking awful. It is just the worst. And the, th- the thing about that movie is that, like, you know, it's just this... It's so, it, that movie is so weird it has to be a Tim Burton movie, but it's not. It's Barry Levinson. And, like, there's... The whole plot is like, you know, the military wants to take these toys and turn them into weapons, and there's this whole big city, and LL Cool J's in a toy fighter jet, and Robin Williams has a hole in his head, and his <laughs> His girlfriend slash sister is a living doll, and it's just like it's a, oh, it's a fucked up movie. But <laughs> sounds but awesome, the, awesomely horrifying. But no, uh, the, the, the little <laughs> toys coming at you know Elliot Gould's feet. It's not actually the guy's not actually played by Elliot Gould, but I'm going to keep referring to him as such. But the toys keep coming at his <laughs> Elliot feet. Elliot Gould is a good actor. He's fantastic. The long goodbye, you know. <laughs> Uh, I took this Coen Brothers class back at the University of Choice. We watched this scene from Long Goodbye, which was a Chandler novel. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the toys are coming at his feet, and he's losing his shit. I'm actually kind of losing interest in this story. The point is, it's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, we've said all we can about the cheapness of the sets. We could talk about the ridiculousness of, like, uh, what was it, the radar box. It's just a hatch with wires <laughs> hanging out of it. And it literally is labeled radar with box. With the words, radar stenciling. box stenciled on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And freaking Bumpo, I, whatever I the actually, fuck his uh, name the is. Only, the, the topic that, that sprang to mind immediately when you said you were getting tired of the story. What was with the main Earth kid? He was such the, a bad actor, but he knew everything about everything. Oh, God, the, the scene with the airlock? <laughs> yeah, where he's explaining how the airlock works with scientific precision. I'm like, you're You 10. see, Santa, you when that. you open the airlock hatch, the air is sucked up, and we have 60 seconds to get our equipment all ready, or we're going to get sucked out and die. Maybe we should crawl through this air shaft. Burger, burger, burger. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie left me jolly. If only Oswald had been in this movie. Oh, if only. Oh God, we need to. You I know bet what we need to do? It, though. We, oh, I'm sure he has. We need to remake this movie with all these awesome people in it. The villain can really be played by Elliot Gould. We'll have Patton play the <laughs> little boy. Oh God, amazing <laughs> things will happen. Patton can be Droppo. Uh, no, 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 no. If you want to get somebody to play Droppo, you get Rip Taylor is what you get, okay? Nobody else. <laughs> Rip Taylor. And, uh... <laughs> and we can get, uh... And I, I, by the way, the news report... The news anchor... How much did he look like Tony Randall? I was so like... A little bit. Holy shit, Tony Randall but, is know, playing Dan that, Rather. The thing that I was thinking... The thing that I was thinking when he came on screen was not that he looked like Tony Randall, but... How the hell does he know everything that he's reporting? Well, How I gotta does he tell know you, the kids went missing. How does he know they're Martians? Well, I 
the news was really good back in 1963. <laughs> they were on the ball. They knew all this shit. They could tell you a kid was missing on the national news not four hours after it happened. They knew that Martians were here. Um, you know, they had access to Santa's workshop. You know, they, you know, there's this whole. But you know what I found to be an incredibly endearing thing about this movie is I, I kind of dig the idea that in this movie's universe. I mean, I know this is the you know the '60s, and they you know that I mean the very concept of even mentioning on the news that you know some people know the secret. Um, I love the fact that in this universe, like. Not only is Santa Claus a person that, you know, the kids are all, all into, but, like, the whole world knows about him. They know where he is. News people can get access to him. You know, he's just, you know, a fella. He's a celebrity like anybody else. He's like a president, you know? I dig that. I dug the pants off of that, you know? Right. Um, I think that had they gone with Santa is an enigmatic figure that you don't know if he's real or not, that would have been a bit too much for this movie. Well, too much for 1964. It's enough to have to accept that he's been kidnapped by Martians. Yeah. You know, they might as well just get it out of the way. Yeah, people, he he actually exists. Yeah. That makes it a lot more believable, quote unquote, of a premise. You know, Melton, I wonder how awkward that transition sounded. I don't know. You really love to point out the editing. I do. In these long distance episodes. I'm a bastard. I'm sorry. Uh, we're we're doing we're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> you want a soda? Anyway, um, what other topics have we not? T- you want to talk about the weird wizard guy who comes out of the mist? Yes, I was going to. Show Chang, okay. I called him. <laughs> At the beginning of the movie, the main adult Martian is like, oh, the kids are sad. We should go talk to the oldest guy on Mars, because he knows. So they go to, like, this swamp place, and he, like, calls him up, and there's this big dramatic flash of smoke, and all of a sudden this really old guy with a staff is sitting on the rock, and he launches into this tirade about, like, peanut butter sandwiches or something. His voice. No, no he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> he just sounds like he might. His voice is so strange. You know, he's, he's like, in the 20th yeah, yeah. It's, Santa Claus. it's a combination of elderly crying and you know prepubescent, and it sounds like <laughs> you, you ever heard? I don't, I don't know the actor's name, but he was in a lot of westerns, and he actually played like he was in Back to the Future Three. It was kind of like, hey, this guy was in a lot of westerns. Here he is again, the guy who has that voice. You know, in Back to the Future, the only line I remember him saying in Back to the Future, and I'm sorry that it's a hard, horribly racist line, but it's the thing you know. He looks as booted up as a dead Chinese. You know, that guy, you know. <laughs> um, that's, I don't know what you're talking about. When's the last time you saw Back to the Future 3, sir? Maybe never. Really? Well, uh, maybe not to, not to, you know, tease anything, but, you know, a couple episodes from now on the old OUP, maybe we'll be talking about it. What's up? Um, and by a couple, I mean it'll be... About 20. Uh, but still. Right. Um, but still. <laughs> 212. It's coming. Um, yeah. With my finger. I've got to talk about that line. I'm so sorry. Yes. <laughs> there, there are so many great lines. I mean, would you say we're kind of at this point ready to talk about favorite lines? Yes. Um, I got to talk, because I've got a lot of them. Um, I, I got to talk. Before you get started, though, I just wanted to say that we're, we're 30 minutes in. 
And I don't feel bad talking about favorite lines this quickly because this this movie is one of those movies that you kind of have to experience. It's true. You have to like ex- you have to watch the entire movie and just sort of let the movie envelop you rather than you can't really like dissect it bit by bit like we're trying to do. Well, um, you know, sometimes I think we go I mean, you kind of can, but I think uh the movie as a whole is better than just seeing a bit of the movie. You know, I think in general, on both of our shows, we've gotten a little too fancy-schmancy, sir. I think it's time to just talk about how things are awesome and fuck the technicality of why or why not. That's what I say. Okay. Uh, And this is a situation... Boom, I say. Uh, This is a situation uh, where that is definitely a case, because this movie is just... Yeah, it's ridiculous, and I I, I mean, I honestly can't even call it one of the worst movies ever made, because it's... I've actually seen worse, and I've seen worse that people consider mainstream and normal. Um, yeah. So, like, it's... I think they call it one of the worst just because it's had 40 years to gestate on bad movie lists. Also, I think, you know, the fact that it ended up on MST3K kind of hurt it. I mean, God love that show, but it did kind of give it a bad reputation. Um, well, I mean, it's on a DVD with Manos, The Hands of Fate. This is true. Manos is like the most wretched movie I've ever seen. Yeah, that's this truly is a not terrible nearly movie. Nearly as bad as Manos. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Once you've seen Manos, you can basically sit through anything, <laughs> including so. its upcoming sequel. Oh my god, uh, that's happening! Uh, uh, I can't wait to do an episode on Manos. Uh, Manos two. <laughs> no, Manos, so that we can talk about Manos two, and when it comes out, we can cover Manos two. Yes, uh, Manos two, co-starring. Uh, a lady who means a great deal to me. Uh, uh, yes. Maria Very surprising to see her on the cast list. Oh, God. I haven't thought of her in months. <laughs> I've been so wrapped up in my my adoration of the pond that, you know, I just... Uh, right. <laughs> kind of left me. Um, but she's still adorable. But no, that's not important. You know what is important? My finger. Because here's that damn line. <laughs> it's after they've created this, you know, automated factory on Mars for Santa to work at... And, um, you know, the, the, the main, you know, well-meaning Martian dude, he's talking to him, and he's like, you know, you look tired. And he's like, oh, just my finger. <laughs> I mean, I laughed so hard, I didn't hear the next bit of dialogue. I don't care what he said next, that was enough. <laughs> I don't think it was important. I'm sure it wasn't, because you don't get more... Because he probably just laughed for the next part of dialogue. <laughs> you don't get more important than just my finger. Uh <laughs> Because he's just pushing buttons all day rather than building toys right. by hand. Um, other favorite lines, favorite moments. I've got. There's that wonderful scene after Santa has come, and it's, I think it's like right after that line too, where they're talking, and he's like, you know, and now that we've got all this set up, I could be back on Earth in time for Christmas. And the guy's like, you know, uh, Santa, you're never going back to Earth. And Santa turns to the camera and says, Ho ho ho. Like, like he's, oh my, it's almost a George Takei moment where it's like, you know, oh my. Oh my. Oh, oh, oh my. No, I think all of the best dialogue in this movie goes to Santa because everything he says is so bizarre. Like, there's that great story he tells when they're on the spaceship about trying to go down a chimney and it turns out to be the smokestack of like an ocean liner. The smokestack of the Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> and then they don't laugh. The kids are just staring at him like, "What the fuck is your problem?" Like, it's so great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and after uh, Voldar traps them in the airlock and they get out, they come back to the bridge, 
And Santa has this long speech where he's like, after he accidentally locked us in the airlock and then accidentally came back up here to accidentally throw the switch, we just got out of the air shaft. You know, like... We, we accidentally like climbed up the air shaft where we accidentally walked into the room and I accidentally started telling this story. Oh, on right. accident. And he's like, how did you get through the air vent? You're so big. He's like, oh, 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 oh. I'm Santa Claus. You know? And then they start laughing for a long, long they time. They always start laughing. That's the thing with Santa. There's none better, though, than the, than the big laughing scene. It rivals the laughing oh, scene yeah, from Austin big, Powers. Oh, my God, we haven't mentioned this scene. Yes. This scene is so creepy. Like, they mentioned it because we watched it on YouTube. They had all those comments because it's a YouTube video. Yeah. And um, one of the comments was... 55 minutes and 20-something seconds through 56 minutes. This is the creepiest thing I've ever seen Santa <laughs> involved with. <laughs> and the, I was waiting the whole movie for it. And the scene is, after the Martians finally get back to Mars, he comes and he talks to his kids and he's like, I brought visitors, little kids from Earth. And then the kids introduce themselves, blah, blah, blah. And then, then he's like, I brought someone else. And then Santa comes in and without saying a word, without one word, He's just like, and all the kids start laughing, and they laugh for like a minute and a half, and it's and they keep so, and the camera keeps like cutting back to each of the like you know got the two Earth kids, the two Mars kids, <laughs> and like Santa, Santa spreads his arms really wide so that it makes him look like a mad scientist. There are so many pretty... moments in this movie that will be made so much better by acid washing the film and playing incense and peppermints. I swear to God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, you start so much of this film will be improved by being on controlled substances. That went on too long. <laughs> uh, I was surprised that this movie was 80 minutes. Like, I really expected it to be, like, 60 or 70. Well, the fact of the matter was, you know, if you read about it on Wikipedia and you look at, like, all the things they say about it, they say it was originally a TV movie, so you have to imagine that it's, like, you know, 80 minutes counting commercials. And, you know, it's about 22 minutes-ish, you know, between, you know, for each half hour. So, yeah, it was it was a two-hour TV movie at some point in 1964 on some network. <laughs> I, that kind of makes more sense than it being a theatrically released movie. Yeah, there, there are a couple moments where, I de- where it definitely cuts to commercial. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, it doesn't like, immediately lead it, to the commercial. Some of the for, commercial transitions make like no sense. Yeah. Like there's one, there's there's a transition where it fades to black and like Droppo is just like dancing outside the door for no reason. <laughs> like, why is he doing that? Oh, we'll never know because it cut to commercials. One of my favorite, so. like you know, current com- commercial cuts though. That's what we said. When you're watching on YouTube, they have the commercials, um, and one of the like, and they they all every time it would cut to to a YouTube commercial, it was always a really awkward cut. And I hope everyone has the same experience because it was so funny to me. It was very awkward when I watched it. One of yeah. them, my favorite, my absolute favorite, was at when they first arrive at the North Pole, uh, and they and the robot grabs the kids, and then like the well-meaning Martian guys, like you know, hey, put him down, put him down. We'll just take him with us. And then he like the little boy grabs onto his wrist, and he's like. You know, you're mean, you, you. And then the commercial, it's a fresh start. It's a new way. It's a cell phone. And then you come back to the movie, and then the kid's just staring angry at the camera again. Martian! <laughs> it was so fucking good. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, the commercial's improving the overall surreal quality yeah. of the film. <laughs> 
I'm in love with that jingle. I, I know I'm not saying in the lyrics right, but it's a new life. It's a fresh start. I'm Neil Diamond. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Speaking of Neil Diamond, well, not actually Neil Diamond. You want to talk about the song? The theme song? Hooray for Santa Claus. Yes. Uh, they played at the beginning and at the end of the movie, and it's a surprisingly catchy little song. Yeah, yeah. You know what? But the thing that I found really weird was after all the credits, they keep the song going for like another minute just so that they can put like subtitles up on the screen so that I guess you can sing along. Yeah. You know what it reminded I that me was of? A little weird. It reminded me because I mean I came into this thinking that we were genuinely going to see like Santa in like you know a, a friggin' carjacked you know tripod from War of the Worlds just blasting shit. Um, I wish. <laughs> you know. Which, you know, the re- I'll tell you part of the reason why I thought that um, was because... Was because the title was misleading? The title's misleading, but also because there was an episode of Rugrats, I think it's the Hanukkah special, where um, Angelica is watching some, like, she's watching the, the, the Cynthia Christmas special, and there's a commercial in between for, like, after Santa conquers the aliens, and I was like, oh my god, and then I found out this was a real movie, and I was like, oh my god, is it really like that, where he's in a tripod just blasting shit? I was really excited. Um, the title is misleading. I've no completely have had the budget for that. I've Not completely life dependent forgotten what I was talking about. Um, the the theme song. The theme song. Yes. <laughs> when I thought this was still going to be, you know, an action romp with you know Santa Claus kicking ass, like you know, and when you think of Santa, I'm going to remind me I'm talking about the theme song again because I'm going on off another bridge. When I think about Santa Claus like kicking ass and being badass, I love I, you know, my two my two frames of reference. The, the scene at the end of The Nightmare Before Christmas where there's that one last bug left of Oogie Boogie and he just stomps on it. And, and, it, and it's like, you, you just, it's almost like, it would almost be natural for him to just stomp at it and be like, bitch! Like, you so wait for it to happen. You're like, it's so like, put the foot down. The other frame of reference I have, uh, there was this old show, I'm sure you may have backhandedly heard of it, it used to come on Adult Swim called Stroker and Hoop. Um, it was a Starsky and Hutch parody. It was an animated series, wonderful show. Um... There was, there's an episode, I believe it's called I Saw Mommy Kill- Killing Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a fucked up episode, but there was this scene where Santa is like, he's having this like, you know, gun battle with like these drug dealers. <laughs> he's like sitting behind a trash can and he's busting out this like AK-47 and just firing off rounds and he's just like, and take another one of those for your mother! Like, it's... <laughs> Uh, this movie left me jolly. I don't know if you noticed. Um, but talking, oh, yeah. talking about the theme song, though, finally getting to this point, the thing that I really, really revo- evoked to me was, have you ever seen the original The Blob with Steve McQueen? No. It is a ridiculous movie, but made even more ridiculous by the fact that the opening theme to The Blob, it's not like some horror, you know, theremin and, you know, Bum, bum, bum. None of that shit. It's just like it sounds like a song with the monkeys. It's just like watch out for the blah 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 blah. It's the stupidest song you've ever heard in your life, and it precedes <laughs> this movie where this flesh eating alien blob is killing people. You need to see the blob, really, but but it's still the, one of the do, dumbest songs you've ever heard. Oh. but this movie is amazing. Hooray for Santa Claus. Da, 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 da. 
Watch it bothers out for me just the blob. Like, <laughs> it bothers me just on a little level that they call it hooray for Santa Claus, and then when they spell it, they spell it like the normal way. Did they? Did they spell it? I saw they spelled it with the Y. No, S A N T A clause, oh. and then they say Santa Claus, and that that's is... not important at all. But it bothered me nonetheless. I wish they'd called him Sandy Claus. Santa Claus. Have I ever told you about <laughs> how the first time I saw The Nightmare Before Christmas, and this is only four years ago, the first time I saw this movie, that one part where they cut back to Oogie Boogie and he says, Are you a gambling man, Sandy? The first time I heard that, I almost pissed myself laughing, and I still don't know why. It just, like, <laughs> I, I think I, had, I hadn't I'm realized. Look that up on YouTube. I think I hadn't realized yet that they were calling him Sandy until just that moment. So the fact that he was calling him Sandy, I was like, what? He just called him Sandy! What the fuck? Oh, that was a good moment. Not at all related to this movie. Santa Claus conquers the Martians. Except tangentially. In which he doesn't conquer Martians. He gets pissed off at three of them, but in a loving way. And then hangs out with the rest of them. You know? I thought it was kind of weird how the movie ended, because, like... They make a big deal. Oh, is Santa going to get back? In- no, actually, they don't even make a big deal about this. Not is even- Santa going to get back in time to save Christmas? They worked like, that out in like, the last some of the two DVD, minutes. On some of the DVD box art, they're like, who will save Christmas? And they don't make a big deal out of it at all until the end of the movie where it's like, it's Christmas Eve. We need to go back and save Christmas for the kids. And then he just leaves and it ends. And you don't find out if he actually saved Christmas. It's an afterthought. It's the last two minutes of the movie. But the, but the thing that really kind of bugged me about that, if I can say one thing that bugged me logistically about this movie, think about that statement. It's the fact that they make a big deal in the middle of the movie about the fact that, you know, he like when he, the first time he, he comes up to the well-meaning Martian guy and says, you know, I've got to go home for Christmas. They make a big point of saying, you know, he can't pilot a spaceship. He has to get one of the Martians to do it himself. And then when we come to this last scene, he just walks out the door like, Merry Christmas! Credits. And it's just the, the spaceship hurtling towards Earth. Who the fuck is driving that thing? Like, I, I, I know it's, it's weird to ask logic of this movie, but... I just wanted someone to be like, hey, I'll drive. Yeah. Like, I just wanted, you know, I want, <laughs> I wanted somebody to be like, I've got the keys. Let's dance. Nobody did it. You know? It, well, it's sort of like, yeah, I get the impression the movie would have been longer, except they ran out of money. Possibly. <laughs> that 120 well, bucks get you talked that. about. <laughs> 120 bucks ran out. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. Do you have any other topics, or do you want to cut to final favorite moments? Well, do you have any more topics? This is your show, after all. It's true. I mean, there's just a lot of little things. Like I said, the devils and the details. I mean, you really want people to go out and experience in the spaceship. this for themselves. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's like these little things in the spaceship where, like, firing rockets one and two, which, by the way, aren't really rockets. They're not like attacking the Earth, so I don't know why they call them rockets. They're rocket boosters. When they do call them rockets, they're all like. Ugh, and, like, the camera jerks, but they don't show, like, the exterior of the spaceship. They're rocket boosters. They're, like, a lot of, like, those little low-budget things. The what? rocket boosters, and the thing about it that, that actually, I kind of dug that, though, actually, because, you know, this is a few years before Apollo 11, and I love the fact that, you know, they're making a point of pointing out, and this is, I mean, this is an actual thing on spacecraft, you know, where they'll have to use rocket propulsion to, you know, you know shift a, a satellite over a few feet or something like that. I mean, you've seen it in commercials and stuff. I think that's actually kind of an interesting, oddly accurate piece, where they're having to use rocket propulsion <laughs> yeah. to move the ship over a few inches. I like that. Yeah, well, see, you were you were thinking about the scientific accuracy. I was thinking about how much more low-budget it made the movie yeah. look because they did it. it. I mean, they did jerk, like, you know, 
whenever a weapon hits the Enterprise, you know, everybody jostles in their seats, you know, it's... And uh, I also take issue with the fact that a little girl in a dress can somehow survive in an environment that is negative 90 degrees. You weren't the only one. I read a couple of comments about that as well. Uh, because they make a big point at the beginning of the movie. It's 90 degrees below zero here. The guy... Like a burr. The guy cold, has you know? ice forming to his face. Yeah, but the kids are just fine. That's because... Who are these kids, anyway? Because, like, you don't see their parents. You just sort of see them. They're sitting outside in a field. They could be vagrants, for all we know. <laughs> and, like, and, like, the Martians just come up, and they're like, who are you? And, like, we are Martians. And they take them with them, and no one seems to care or really even they're notice like, until it's the like news Power reporter mentions it. There are no parents. Right. <laughs> there are no parents. I... I found that whole news reporter guy totally kind of superfluous because he was just recapping what just happened. Well, he, like, I think the I think Tony Randall lookalike news reporter guy um, was there uh, just for I, I think honestly he was there to to recap for the kids that stopped that lost interest or the adults that were too drunk on scotch trying to watch this with their <laughs> children, uh, you know, kind of keep them apprised of what's going on so that they can be like, oh, oh yeah, Santa. You kids, it's almost bedtime. No, no, I mean, also, you saying it was a TV movie kind of makes that make more sense, because if, like, the commercial breaks actually made sense in real life, they might fade back in on the news reporter. Yeah, they'd use him as a device. Like, yeah. oh, here's what you missed if you're just coming yeah. in. Anyway, favorite moments? Favorite moments. Um, all the awkward laughter, uh, all the... <laughs> With my finger. God, I love that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I love Torg. Torg. Uh, Torg is a classic. And the polar yeah. bear, which was just quick and ridiculous. I gotta tell you, honestly, though, like... I, I kept thinking of Star Wars, like, with the Wampa. Yes, but that, but not only that, like, the, when the polar bear, like, is reaching into their little, like, hole and trying to you know, grasp at them, <laughs> the one thing I thought about, like, and, and keep in mind, like, this is me coming in, like, the things that had happened in this movie... It, it honestly could have gone in any direction from that point. And I was still on board for this being this whack, this really crazy-ass Santa Claus with a machine gun kind of movie. And and I was expecting, honestly, because some movies were fucked up back then, when the boy was like, I think it's okay, let me check. I was expecting him to poke his head out and immediately get mauled. I was so expecting <laughs> it. I was, I was counting on it. Oh, yeah, me too. Um... I wasn't expecting him to get mauled, but I was expecting the bear to pop back up. Brah, I'm a dude in a suit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, how improbable did you find it that they don't have real food on Mars? They have food pills, yet their food pills are Earth flavors. Um, I think chocolate cake. I think the implication mashed potatoes. The implication I think was that you know the Martians have been watching American television, and that like because America. Okay, I don't know why I said American television. I'm a bastard. Uh, Earth television, um, although it was American television. Um, <laughs> but no, I think the, the the implication is that, and this is actually kind of an uh, a planetist kind of way of thinking, kind of kind of prejudicial, um, is um, the idea that like the Martians were like, well, there's no other civilizations from which to learn how to be civilized. Let's watch Earth on Fognol. <laughs> you know, like it's. <laughs> Remember Fognal? Uh, I do remember Fognal. <laughs> Earth on Fognal. Uh, 
Um, I, I think that was the point. Like, they just use Earth as education, and I guess they learned from, like, the Earth television that you have to have these different foods, and I guess they just figured... I don't... I, that's the kind... I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't mind. Remember when I used to... Me neither. Remember when I used to say that? I miss saying that. I don't mind. And, I mean, food pills have been a staple of sci-fi for a long time. A while. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... Yeah. I'm totally on board. I'm totally on board with this whole fucking movie. I gotta be honest. I... I me too, yeah. I love this movie more than I should have. Like, I was watching the movie, and believe it or not, my thought was, when I have kids someday, I'm not going to show them a Christmas story. I'm not going to show them It's a Wonderful Life. I'm going to show them this movie. Oh, yeah. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And maybe also Santa Claus, the movie that we'll be covering next year. Are you referring to the... Are you referring to Santa Claus the movie with Dudley Moore? No. The Mexican movie where Santa faces off with a demon who's trying to kill Santa what the hell? so that the children of the world will all do good. That's a movie? Yes, I'm... it is. Do you remember that time I was talking to you about that really weird Santa movie where they go into the workshop and it's all multicultural and creepy? No. And I thought it was this movie, but it wasn't. It's actually Santa Claus, the weird Mexican movie. Well, sir, I gotta tell you, now that you're telling me this, I don't think I can wait until next December. <laughs> oh. Might as well start plugging that now. Yeah. That'll yeah. be the one. In next December, in addition to our Christmas Santa episode, we'll be doing a whole month of episodes devoted to appearances <laughs> from music. Let. I thought we weren't gonna say. You already said it. I, what? I thought we were just going to keep using that slogan. <laughs> oh, well then, yeah, we will. <laughs> wait oh, until December. Cut off there, folks. Gotta wait until December, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I might just cut that out. That's fine. Mm. All right. Wait until December. Moments. Yeah. My favorite moments everything with the awkward laughter, everything involving Santa himself, because he's just so weird that every time he's on screen, you can't help but be like weirdly transfixed to everything he's he does. He's a total stoner. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, everything that's really weird and clunky with the sci-fi tropes, like the robot is amazing. The weird... The weird machine they set up in his workshop with all the knobs and somehow built-in stereo system <laughs> um, is awesome. I think that the kids are just kind of there. They don't really do anything except be yeah. there. Especially the Martian kids. Well, like, I mean, the movie isn't called movie Santa Claus and the kids conquer the Martians and hang out with a bunch of them, and Robert's Blossom is there for some reason. <laughs> it's not called this that. This is true. <laughs> yeah. Well. Robert's Blossom. Mainly, I just love the whole movie. It, it, it builds up speed as it goes. Yeah. Like, the beginning of the movie, I hadn't yet gotten used to it, so... Once I did get used to it, I really liked too. it. But at the very beginning, it was almost torture. You know? It wasn't torture. It was just I didn't really know what to expect. It really, like I said, it really could have gone anywhere, and I was kind of prepared for anything. What I wasn't prepared for was what it actually was, which was delightful as hell. Right. Yeah. Like I half expected the movie to go in a direction like they kidnapped the wrong Santa, and it's a big comedy of errors. Oh, like yeah, because they kept looking at those Salvation Army. Like Santas. he's trying to convince them because there's that scene where they see all the Santas like on street corners, like the Salvation Army Santas, and it was like, oh, they're going to kidnap one of them, and he's going to spend the whole movie trying to convince them that he's not Santa, you know? And then we'll somehow come up with a way to make toys. Right. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> but that's not what happened. No. So. Amazing anyway, things happen. Amazing things. This movie is just amazing in general. It, so. it really is. That's all I got to say. Me too. Loved it! 
I love it. Love it. Uh, I love it. (laughs) Um, Anyway, you have been listening to a special Christmas Eve episode of Cinemantics about Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, a 1964 classic. And I still don't remember who directed it. Nicholas... Webster or whatever his name is. Yes, that's that's it exactly. Boom! I win. Okay, and don't um, and don't forget, listeners, to uh, check out over on the OUP. We got a special double length episode covering the first two and only good Home Alone pictures. Yes, so that's check exciting. That so we've got some. It's some, a veritable some gifts Christmas Eve bouquet <laughs> of holiday goodness um, and scotch. And s- yes. <laughs> I make no sense. Yes. Anyway, you have been listening to Cinemantics, the podcast about movies good and bad. Mostly bad. I'm Nick Melton. I'm Jeff Heatherly. Merry Christmas, movie house! It's a fresh start. It's a cell phone. Burke. <laughs> <laughs>